Before we start this episode today, I just want to take a quick minute to thank Town Square Brewing for their continued support on this podcast and this little project of mine. With the seasons changing, I feel there's no no better time for a fresh ad read. So if I can take a minute to promote some of their crisp, lighter summer flavors, as well as Radwater. Now I know that they have fully non-alcoholic options, like a Talus Water and a Peach Sour. I've, I've tried all of the above. They're all great. Can't say enough nice things about these guys. They've been a, a joy to work with. Once again, Town Square Brewing, if you haven't tried any of their products already, I really recommend you do. 18 plus, obviously drink responsibly, please. And uh, yeah, that's it, really. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Yes, actually, first of all, I should thank you for being here. And I know that you have a partner, uh, Catherine, that isn't able to be here. But I just want to kind of start by acknowledging her and saying hi to her, even though I'm not able to meet her through this. So, yeah, yeah thank you very much. I know we uh, we were talking a bit back and forth. That's how it always goes, but it's always nice when an episode that I really want to uh, to learn more about the guest, like when it's something kind of been talking with someone about for a bit, when it finally happens, it's always a really good day for me. So thank yeah. you. No, thank you. Thanks for uh, after all the back and forth, letting me <laughs> be on the show. You know what I, I should say? Uh, there there are many people who have uh maybe i wouldn't say really put me through there's many people who i've had a lot more back and forth with before <laughs> like officially sitting down so really like it was kind of easy like ours was was short and painless <laughs> in comparison to so and everyone's busy and yeah, it's yeah. actually it, it's almost good. Like if a guest is busy, that means they like chances are going to have a lot to talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's always, it's almost, it's not bad when someone agrees and can do it immediately, but it almost like is the sign of them maybe not producing enough of their own stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, anyone listening, I, I don't, I'm sure there's people listening who are like, we we did it like the day after they reached out. I'm not <laughs> letting them. I'm just thanking you. I want to shout out your partner. And just before I hit record, you referenced that you had worked in the food industry earlier mm-hmm. on in life. And one of my first questions was going to be like, how how you guys like came to the conclusion of doing kind of a like food space based publication. Mm -hmm. So I get, I mean, take, take as long or as short to answer that as you want, (laughs) but what, 
what was that like thought process you guys went through when you decided food would be the the vibe yeah um well i would say for both of us um our work our lives our families like our family histories have a lot to do with food um so yeah, Catherine is is the other part of of Hungary, but she's in Calgary right now uh, at the Alberta Magazine Publication Association, <laughs> something like that. The, oh. They have a conference, yeah, AMPA. Uh, so she's there repping us. Um, but yeah, to to speak to my experience, um, I'm I'm Métis and Dominican, and my Métis family uh were farmers here in Alberta um they did like cattle and grain and I like to shout out my family in Dominica who also were farmers and uh did a lot of banana and vanilla and so I think just like ancestrally I feel a connection to food and then for me individually and my lived experience um Food has always been a big part of my life. I think like a lot of my memories are situated at our family's, like the farmhouse, like the gathering space, specifically around the big kitchen table. It's this like huge kitchen table that my grandparents had made like a gazillion years ago. Um, and like they've passed on and that that table still, still is there. And um, that was... A big part of my growing up and then yeah and then uh I've been I was in the food industry for a long time um it looked very different I mean from my like first job working at Domino's Pizza <laughs> when I was 13 to uh yeah just working in like the food like I worked at um uh, like back in the day it was called like local omnivore uh, oh I love that place. Yeah, yeah, I definitely recognize you from it. Um, I was there in like the one of the OGs when they first opened, uh, now known as Gravy. Right. Uh, Darvara, RIP, Empress, RIP, not a food uh, establishment, but nonetheless, like part of the mix. Um, coffee places, yeah, bakeries, kind of... Uh, doing a lot of that. And I think that's where I started to think about the ways um, that like food intersects with other things. So like, you know, in the food industry, you meet a lot of people, you see the owners, you see the people who are back of house, you see who are the dishwashers, you see those kind of like uh, class components. Um, so I think that's when I started thinking about those things a lot, you know, and also who's coming to establishments. I, I tended to go and I, I was not a fine dining girly. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't have the <laughs> etiquette to, to work in those spaces. Um, so I tended to work, you know, in a little bit more casual, uh, but like really good food spots. Um, and then once I got out of the food industry, I got into more like grassroots nonprofit stuff. And that's where I kind of got equipped with like, okay, I'm thinking of things about like class and working in the food industry. And then I kind of got the like 
the tools and the like you know the words behind like things around like capitalism and and thinking through like um you know those more radical ideas and that's where I kind of got this opportunities to travel a little bit uh with nonprofits, which is really nice it's kind of I feel a way to keep you they give you like professional development so you can go to like conferences and I went to like really rad ones in like Oakland and Detroit that sometimes like had a food component and started to think about food justice and then I kind of got those ideas and brought them back to Edmonton and did some events and things and through all of that eventually met Catherine and Catherine is a wonderful poet and has a similar history of like family and food um didn't so much work in food industry but eventually found her way into planning and like food policy um and did a lot of like food kind of community work so yeah that's basically food was just like everything we do and how we work and live and we just thought you know there's not a space for there's not a space having those conversations in Edmonton so let's do it it's uh incredible to to hear you like kind of sum that all up with with in a a pretty concise way because it (laughs) it sounds like I mean I don't want to like tell you how you feel but maybe you guys are emphasizing the community like aspect of food more than the actual just like eating of food like I'm sure you both enjoy eating good food but it sounds like a lot of the other like kind of unsung like great aspects of food are being represented like in the publication and just like the way you guys both think Mm -hmm. is that accurate sort of yeah no definitely I think I mean the other reason that like going with food is such an easy topic is because like everybody eats everybody has a food story I mean everybody has like a nice solo food story you know maybe you're traveling or like whatever there's like a dish you love to make when you're just like home alone but like I think a lot of our food memories are rooted in community and family and friends and we see that in the zine of you know what stories people want to share and a lot of the time yeah it's it's food eating with others yeah yeah like as you said that I'm thinking just you know of some very like memorable kind of family meals I've had the reason they're sticking in my head is definitely not because of the actual food that was eaten like I I can think of a few right now and I couldn't even actually tell you what we ate at those dinners (laughs) it was just the fact that like me and my family and my extended family were all like sitting down for a meal together and then every almost everything except the food is Mm -hmm. what's like notable yeah well I think also there's like the nostalgia too right of like a lot of times people today, right, like we're eating alone and we're we're not as like communal as we used to be. So I think those moments like really stick out. Right. Yeah, no, no, totally. And I think me included, but a lot of people probably think of like 
you know, all the like food photos and everything out there these days, I don't really hear a lot of people being able to kind of describe it as like eloquently as, as you just said, like a lot of people, you know, they go out, take photos of food, share it with their friends. And that's kind of the extent of how we all like relate to food, but you explaining it like that is is really cool. I I really appreciate that. And I like, I mean, I am here to, we have, you know, 45 minutes left in the conversation. I would love to know a lot more about the project. That's like off to a great start. That's a really cool like sentiment. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, like, I don't know if this is like a not weird, but an out there question. Do you relate to other kind of nostalgic things in the same way? Like, is there music or movies and stuff that would kind of take you back? Or do you reserve most of that for like food? That's a great question. Um, I think largely food has been informed i was recently a part of um this really great project called the chinatown greetings and you had to take uh it was taking photographs in chinatown in edmonton's chinatown um with little disposable cameras which is something i never do and then doing a little write-up and and i did and i think i was approached because of hungry and because of my food work so i i kept it i kept my photography and my focus on food. And I remember in my write-up talking about food as a love language because I think growing up that was such a thing in my family. And uh, and I think it's something that I like continue on in like all my relationships of like um, the importance of like sharing food, making food, um, you know, gifting food, that sort of thing. Uh, and I think growing up so much of my memories, um, yeah, our, our food, I, I like, I don't have a lot of, and I think maybe it's just because of my family and, uh, like, I don't have a lot of movie, like movie, you know, people have like really like cute childhood memories of like movies and like watching movies. Like I don't really have that, I guess maybe a little bit of music, um, but nothing, nothing as fulsome as, as, as the meals and like, that I can call like, cause I think people have, you know, those songs that remind you of people and, and places, right. but I think like, and maybe there's something about like taste or, you know, like so many senses are being like activated in food that maybe that's why it like sticks out so much in one's memory. Right. Yeah. No, no, that, that makes sense. And I uh, actually, I know uh, a bit about that Chinatown project. It's funny. It's my fault entirely. I was reading the names of all the people involved because Jordan uh, was a guest on here a while ago. And then I also know Raylan. He's been a guest on here as well. But uh, as I was reading the names, I somehow didn't put two and two together and realize you were that name Mm -hmm. but that that's a great project and Mm -hmm. it it seems like in the same way that maybe you guys are associating like a more like your 
encompassing more things with like a food zine. I feel that photo project was kind of encompassing more because I know a few of the people weren't necessarily like the self-proclaimed photographers, but they were using the medium of photography for the project. So maybe it sounds like you might just be a master of subtlety and mixing all these (laughs) things. No, I absolutely don't think that's the case. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, I I was approached by it. I take, I'm learning like an approach that usually when people ask me or, or like Catherine or Hungry to like do something, unless it's like, completely out of our wheelhouse which I don't think we've really come up against we like tend to say yes and I think it just like provides such a opportunity to try something new and like yeah I'm not a photographer um and so this was definitely uh (laughs) a stretch uh in in trying something new and and Catherine and I always laugh because we're not really writers like Catherine is a poet so yes Catherine does but like I wouldn't name myself as a writer I've done a little bit of writing um and we're currently Catherine and I have like pushed ourselves to to collaborate with other publications and we do it together uh I feel like writing and like all art forms is like incredibly vulnerable (laughs) I I hate being vulnerable (laughs) so I tend uh away from that but uh I think people find it funny we were like on a um a panel a couple months ago Catherine and I about publishing and all the other panelists were like these really like profound writers and publishers who are doing amazing things and are so talented and and we were talking to this group of like wannabe publishers and and young writers and up-and-coming writers and we were just laughing because we're like we we aren't writers. We don't have a publishing background. We literally sat in Paul Kane Park one afternoon in like this summer of 2020 COVID. And we're like, should we do food thing? And we thought about pod like a podcast and you're like, well, we, that seems even more out of our wheelhouse. Um, and so we, we were like, okay, well how, like how hard could uh, like, putting together a magazine be, um, which we soon learned (laughs) it's quite difficult. A magazine, we like, we call ourselves a scene because a magazine is like a beast in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of how we, we came to do it. And we, we basically were like, we want to, uh, ask, we're going to put it out there. We're going to put it out in the world. We're going to see what we get back. And for our first issue, we didn't know if we'd get any submissions or like if we'd have to be bugging our friends to write something. And yeah, the first, like our first one out the gate was like, yeah, went really well. And we got a bunch of submissions and, and since then we've kind of just been going, but it's really kind of flying by the seat of our pants for sure. You know, like Maybe not everyone feels this way, but me personally, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. These days, my favorite writers to read, like newsletters I subscribe to or like zines, like I look at a lot of photo zines, but I like to read when I can. 
And I feel like the best writing to me, or the the most interesting writing, is maybe not like the most professional. And like I'm not not at all saying you guys aren't professional. I'm saying, (laughs) yeah, you know, not like the my my dad is actually an American literature professor at the university, so he's probably gonna roast me about this because he does listen. But, like, I know, you know, there's obviously super intelligent writers. And you think about, like, people, writers back in the day were, like, very educated, you know, all the grammar, everything was perfect. These days, I just kind of like almost the vulnerability and, like, the truth and almost humility of of just putting your thoughts out there. And it might not be perfect like to to a professor or something but i feel that's like the best writing and that in a way might be just because of the clipification of the world and like content getting shorter and nowadays people get book deals off like twitter and stuff so maybe writing has changed but i personally kind of prefer what you're talking about like someone who might not have like a publishing or writing background that's the content i find myself consuming more of these days i really liked i mean being so new to this and being new to like the publishing world like if we can like even yeah like name ourselves out like i think we should but it feels weird but um... oh i i absolutely think you should <laughs> put out five issues that like, yeah what else is it yeah yeah you're right yeah so I think I think in in doing that one of the like most interesting thing has been yeah the experience of like publishing somebody's work the and again back to like that vulnerability of like putting it out there I've I've approached people who who aren't like you know big like yeah aren't professional writers you know like quote unquote and um you know, maybe I heard them tell a funny story or like one time I tried, I tried to get a comedian, this like really hilarious comedian in town to write a really funny, she has a hilarious bit about West Edmonton Mall and like, <laughs> like a, basically talking to like a pedo on like Habbo Hotel. And it's like this really funny bit. And we had the West Edmonton mall issue right. and I thought it could, and it happened. And she like met at the food court, nothing happened. It was like, it's a, it's a hilarious joke. And it's like, it's above board. It was a little bit edgy, but um, I remember like, I was like, you should, you should write this. Like you should write it down and like, and do it. And and she didn't, but like, I'm often finding myself approaching people who aren't writers um, and being like, you've got, I've seen you like, or like there's been like, I don't know, like stuff. Yeah. On Instagram where somebody has like a long standing like story or joke that's like on Instagram and they tell it really funny. I'm like, if you can do that, I, I genuinely think at, like you can, you can, you can try to put like pen to paper and like, and, and give it a go. Cause like, you've got something there. You've got, yeah. you've got a joke, you've got like, you know what I mean? There's something there. And, and sometimes it's worked out and sometimes people, sometimes people do it or like sometimes I'll approach somebody for a specific issue and, you know, they, they won't get it. They're, they're, they're like, you know, harshest critics. So they don't actually do it. But then the next issue, they actually submit something. And it's like, those to me are like the most like gratifying moments is when I like kind of know somebody like took a step out and like 
and went for it and did that like that like vulnerable act of like putting something out in the world and I remember the when we were doing that publishing workshop somebody asked like you know like do we get like any like criticisms or like things like that and we haven't yet I think we like we're too small or if somebody's bought a zine and they they hated it they they can just like throw it out or something you know what I mean but like yeah nobody's out of their way to like criticize us or any of the writing and and I think that's like yeah like the, we're we're trying to cultivate a space that is that you can just like put something out there it doesn't have to be perfect we want new writers we want people who've never been published before we also have a lot of people who have like big like they have novels out they've got books out they are award-winning writers um and that's amazing too like that's so exciting to have those people attached to our project but like there's we've had emails from folks who've never been published before and their like gratitude of being in the zine is like absolutely why we do it like it's such it's such a good feeling for somebody to be like thank you so much or like tell us a story about like them out in like the world or like some of their family reading it or like you know it's just like oh it's so nice it's so beautiful yeah and like I mean you guys must be able to relate to it almost on like a closer level knowing this whole project is pretty vulnerable for you guys. Like you're saying you aren't writers. So putting yourselves out there in this way is kind of like exposing, you know, sides of you that might not be exposed. So then to see someone else take that jump with you or take a jump to be involved in a project, you took a jump on that like adds an extra component of relatability. Mm -hmm. I, I would think at least yeah no I honestly I really think it does and I feel like one thing I've really appreciated of how me and Catherine have like worked on this project and I guess we because we didn't really know each other before we started this project our friendship and our like like this working relationship just started out of out of Hungary um and it's been a delight the whole way through but one of the things like we're very different and Catherine is just like this sweet little angel and like <laughs> I'm not that exactly. Uh, and we've got different approaches to writing and, and things that we like and things like that. But our, I think one of the things I appreciate that we're similar with is we went into this project when we decided we wanted to do this like zine or a publication. We approached people like we approached the folks at glass bookshop we approached omar mualam like writers that we knew and like and not even like well we didn't know these folks very well or sometimes we did but a lot of the time we didn't and we kind of just like cold called them and we're like hey we want to do a thing we don't know what we're doing like any any information insight we'd love to hear it and i think like that's very approachable people appreciate that like that you go into these spaces and you're not acting like you know everything like you're just like I want to do something I've got the heart like let's let's see what we can do and and I think we try to in and of ourselves and as like hungry we try to do that too like we get we get emails and stuff for people asking us to do that similarly and and we we want to like we want to lift as we climb and you know, and, and get that, get that going. Cause yeah, it's not easy. The world doesn't make it easy to, 
you know, to do these kinds of things. Like we're all so busy, like, like we were saying, and, and it's, it can be a bit of a slog, you know, when <laughs> you got, you got things you got to do, you got admin to do, but yeah, the reward is, yeah, just like holding it. Like the, I remember the first time, like holding it, I was just like, wow. And, and bookshops across the country, like being like, yeah, of course we'd carry that. That sounds great. Like that still blows my mind. Like I'm obsessed with drawn and quarterly in Montreal and we cold called them and they were like, oh yeah, this sounds like a great thing. We'd love it. And they're like a huge supporter of ours. And it's just like, what? That's <laughs> that's wild to me that we're in bookshops all over the place. Yeah. I mean, zines, as you know, are, are quite a powerful thing. Like such a, like a small kind of handheld publication that like force behind it and kind of the community that goes with it. Especially when you guys are kind of like fostering that community more than the average scene. I I can totally see why that would feel amazing. And uh, now, if, what are the not exact dates, unless you know them, but when, like, this is a COVID thing, it sounds like, right? The first issue was released 20 or 21. 21 we got started in 2020 and our first one was published yeah in 2021 but we I think Catherine and I met I was moving to Vancouver for grad school and Catherine had done that same program and somebody connected us and we'd kind of seen each other around at different food events and like parties and things and um yeah, we were talking about grad school, really, and then kind of really got into the the fact that we were so food obsessed uh, that kind of led us to that. But that was, yeah, that was pre, right before, yeah, right before COVID popped off. Because I remember we were sitting in Iconoclast, so it definitely wasn't in COVID. It must have been right before, right before it. But then when we actually met and, like, decided, that was, like, we were in a park because it was... COVID. <laughs> Do you feel like the timing of all that maybe like helped a little bit? Like, I mean, COVID super annoying and, and horrible for everyone. Maybe like just having an idea and then being like forced to quarantine. Did that like yes. speed up the process of you guys like putting this all together? Yeah, I think it was both like a terrible time to do it and a wonderful time. Like, yeah, I was moving like I yeah, I was going through stuff. I was moving. Uh, Catherine was pregnant with her first kid. Like there were like big life things happening for us. And then on top of that and pandemic. And then, yeah, I think just like probably the fact that, you know, I was at in a different city in quarantine like yeah absolutely I had time to kill and yeah. could invest that in uh in in something to to create and uh I mean Catherine had, was like then a new mom so I don't know how she did that but <laughs> she did uh but yeah I think definitely doing like starting in COVID and I think folks were just like yeah, it was just like, what is happening in the world? You know, like, it's like, you may as well do it now. Cause like, who even knows, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we're in the thick of it. Yeah. And, and I think there was like, our first issue was we 
our pilot issue, we called it because we didn't know if we were going to do any more. Like we really didn't know how it was going to go. So we called it our pilot issue, um, issue zero zero. And it was called home cooking because exactly that, like everybody was at home. We were stuck at home. So that was the point of the theme was what's like, what's going on in the pandemic where you had to kind of come to grips with the fact that like, we're all eating at home or like eating out is like a weird experience or, you know, like we were all just like holding so much in this weird space of early COVID. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I have to interrupt to commend you guys again. Like I feel all the themes, like all your ideas, it's like you've taken such a simple idea, but like done so much with it. Like that's like brilliant incredible to be able to like make your pilot zine off like the most relatable thing globally (laughs) really like eating at home everyone in every country continent like everywhere in the world was doing that so and then I mean even like the the mall food like (laughs) I mean it's such a like simple idea but then it's like I've never really heard anyone do that really in a zine form like anywhere let alone locally so it's like (laughs) I feel it's like really quick witted that you guys can like come up with these things almost like maybe not on the spot but you know like pretty quickly to have them like be relevant at the time Mm -hmm. Uh, do you guys have plans to uh like earlier you were saying the zine is is small like physically smaller than a magazine but do you have plans to like ever size up and maybe like do like a a full like eight and a half by 11 or Mm. so (laughs) the reason there's a lot of reasons behind what we do and a lot of it is money right yeah yeah. (laughs) because we are this is off the side of our desks unfortunately if we could I think Catherine and I would absolutely be full-time hungry people um but we get little grants and uh do with that what we can so the zine format is great because it's just a piece of paper folded in half so that (laughs) cuts our cost we always see um this weekend like we were at royal bison and uh, we were sat we always seem to be sat by the community table i don't know if they do that on purpose or not but we we often are but it's great because we get to it changes like every day so we get to connect with like a different community group or like nonprofit or what have you and and two of them one was oh gosh now stratus was first one and then or the second night metro was the first metro cinema and then stratus pardon the interruption i just want to take a minute to introduce a new sponsor of the podcast stratus photo lab these guys are great uh just as people and a business i uh, had the privilege of interviewing a couple of them earlier on in my episodes I've been taking all of my film in to them. They can do colors, C41. They can do true black and white. They just started offering 120 film processing. So uh, I can't 
Can't recommend enough that you take advantage of the service they're offering. They have a 24-hour day Dropbox. It's it's really efficient and seamless. It's it's pretty cool just to see how it all works. So they're uh, they're kind of shouldering the entire scene. To be honest, they're making it quite possible for me and and people like me to continue to shoot and share their film photos. So once again, can't really vouch for them enough. You can find uh, anything about them on stratusjournal.com. You can also find them on almost all social media platforms as well. Uh, that's that's it, really. Let's uh, get back to the episode. Hope you guys are liking it and enjoy. Thanks. And then... I don't know how you pronounce it, Sir Sears. C-I-R-C. Oh yeah, yeah. I I know what you mean. Stratus yeah. actually uh, just became a sponsor of of the podcast. I think oh, la- last episode was the first like ad read we did for them. But oh, yeah, Stratus is awesome, and I don't think I know anyone at Cirque. I say Cirque, but I, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. And you, it's funny, if, I'm going to forget to say this if I don't say it, but if you, like, I don't know if you realize the like kind of irony, but it seems like you're at a communal table again. Like you were talking <laughs> about your family, like community table, you're kind of at a different table, <laughs> creating That's- a community. Yes, uh, like it, it's just funny because like we could be sat, we've done it three times now. And I think two of the times we were absolutely like adjacent to the community table. I think once we were like two tables down and, but they're wonderful publications and they're so beautiful. Like that's, that's what gets me with those ones. I was like, I think Hungry is doing something. Like we kind of have kooky illustrations and like, I love them and I think it's like beautiful in its own ways, but like Stratus and Sir Sears, anyways, they are like such beautiful publications and the people behind them are like so beautiful and so talented. And yeah, it's just, it's interesting the ways that you can go with with zines or like magazines or art publications. And we were, me and Catherine did, um, we tabled at a book fair in Winnipeg and we are next to folks who do carnation zine and we're, yeah, they're amazing. And, um, they were sat next to us and their table was so beautiful and they had like carnation flowers, uh, just like everywhere. And it's so aesthetic. (laughs) And, uh, we were like, we were laughing with them because they were like, they won a zine award and they're like, yeah, I don't know if we could like be called a zine, but I mean, a zine can be literally anything. So yeah, they are a zine, but like yeah. how beautiful publications are. And like there's feels zine, which is another, that one's like a zine and they sell it at hideout. Um, yeah. And they're like really big, I guess this is why I'm saying all of these publications are a lot larger than hungry and it really does, uh, kind of force us to be creative when it's as small as it is also we only do 
we print in risograph, like with a risograph with, we work with Yokeless Press down in Calgary, an artist run press are amazing. Um, but similarly, we only use two colors because like it gets expensive. So that like pushes us and pushes like illustrators to, to have to kind of work in the confines of both size and color. Is that there's only two uh, colors in like I'm I'm I have Zine in front oh. of me just for reference. Well, yes, and well, it's funny because I was saying to my girlfriend before this magazine is so colorful, <laughs> but now it's funny because yeah, like it is only this yellow and pink. You have, right? me, you have me on that one because we partnered with Mitchell Art Gallery for that one. So right. we had institutional funding. So we got to splurge a bit and we have three colors. So black. So normally we just have two. For mall food, it was, yeah, neon pink, uh, yellow, and black. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I wasn't even actually trying to call you on that. But yeah, <laughs> that I'm seeing obviously black. I just didn't even like register that because that no, whole it. text. Yeah. But- <laughs> are they all recently you guys have gone through the same press for all five issues yeah yeah we that was kind of something from the beginning that we wanted we won again well actually like Rizzo can be a little bit costly in that it's like a little bit like doing that is like in and of itself and its own art form yeah and it's kind of like to me it's like a bit more textural you know, like you can get kind of like the ink on your fingers, depending on like, you know, like our land and water issue, like the cover can be like, depending on each issue kind of looks a little bit different. Sometimes it's like really, um, really dark. And then sometimes not so much like there, it's pretty unique in and of that. And so early on, we just kind of, I don't know why, but we went with Rizograph and we're like, this is what we want to do. Um, we, we just like the look of it. We like the feel of it. And yeah, we we when we started, there was a press in Edmonton called Frankie, and I was stoked to use it. I love the name Frankie. I was like, it's a sign. But then they sold to they sold their printer to someone I think in Saskatchewan, in like Saskatoon. So we had to we did some some shopping around. There was one in Vancouver, but she was so talented and great. But it was like very expensive. Yeah, uh, we found Yokeless and. They're amazing to work with. We love this, like the projects they do because they're like, yeah, it's artist run and they just do such amazing stuff on their own and they support such cool projects. So it feels great to also continue with that kind of like community vibe of it all. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we've worked with them for each issue and I think we'll, as long as they'll have us, we'll we'll keep doing that. Yeah, I again like these are all my my personal zine opinions, but I I agree. Rizograph is probably one of the coolest ways you can print, and even I'm like looking at the inside of the the front cover, you can see kind of like a fade. Like I'm sure it's different on in each each uh copy, but to me that's like way cooler. And then actually it goes back to a point I wanted to make, like you saying Stratus and Cirque and all these other ones are so beautiful. I agree for sure. But 
like I don't know. I kind of like the imperfections of things a, a little bit more too. Like I mean, I obviously there's amazing photographers who will touch up everything and Photoshop everything to be perfect, and and they're wonderful. But then there's also photographers who like just shoot on like a expired disposable camera and do no edits at all. I would almost rather the unedited like you know quote like maybe not the greatest quality photos but that's like kind of what i like so maybe i just like more diy zines and and more diy writing but i would i would guess maybe the way i think is kind of how like your fan base would think like the average hungry like reader would mm-hmm. agree with these maybe not but I uh I I wouldn't change any of it really. And I also think I mean a, a small zine or a big publication they can all like it's not like either one is getting more reach or is telling a story better. I like I think you can get the same info out of both it just depends on like the the actual publisher and how much effort they're putting into each publication yeah and yeah. now that i i mean cost obviously is like the reason for almost everything artistic right it's like the reason i do most of the things i do in art because they're cheaper right like everything is so expensive these days but and, and I I can only assume if you guys want to, like, size up, it would just, like, quadruple the cost of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, yeah, just learning as we go. But, like, yeah, like, things like binding. So it's, like, at first we did just, like, the staple stitch, like, thing in our first issue. But now we do, oh, like, yeah. binding, which we prefer. But, yeah, like, all of those little things you kind of, like, learn on the fly. But I do definitely... I think the thing about Hungry is we're definitely not for everyone. Like, it is a bit quirky. It's a bit weird. It's not polished. Like, that's for sure. And it we laugh because, like, our third... Yeah, I have to, like, count. Our third issue on the front cover... Either way, however it shaked out, because we called our first issue zero zero, it like set us up for failure and like numbering all of them because it's like always issue zero zero is our first issue, but then we had like zero one and it would be our second. So then on our third issue, it was like it should have been oh two, but it was oh three, and we just like never caught it. And um <laughs> so all of our so like when we were like selling it to like our stockists, they were like oh, like, where's issue two? We're like, ah, like, that's, we just messed up. And like mall food, uh, the cover like is missing mall food at the top. Like we definitely are still learning our, our ways of being and doing. Uh, and you know, it's okay. Like nobody, nobody's gonna die from this. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of also how we, I approach things anyways of like, as much as I love this, you know, like it is, it's just it is what it is. It's, it's a fun zine and, you know, we can like fuck it up sometimes. It's okay. Nobody's gonna, you know, nobody's gonna lose their job because of it. We're not like, nobody's getting fired because it like passed through like 
like four hands and nobody saw it like yeah. to me it's like a funny mishap and then it makes it quirky like that's the thing that I'll always know of like where's the title of the zine on that one it's not yeah. <laughs> see I I always say this on here and hopefully I don't sound like a broken record but I feel like it, it's really important to especially in the arts to like learn as you go because if it's like if you knew everything from issue one, like where's the fun going forward? You know, like if it, everything is perfect immediately, then it just kind of becomes like a routine, and like you know, it's just like another job. I would, I would think it, it's cool to be able to learn stuff and then make note of, get the title in the next issue. I. <laughs> See, the, I was actually talking to my last guest about this, about how I'll, like, stress about little things in in my, like, art or my, like, personal zines or whatever. And it's always something that no one else would even know. Like, I, I would have no idea that the title was missing. I You know, <laughs> I just look at it and I think that's what it's supposed yeah. to be. So, yeah, exactly. like, you know, maybe you're, like, letting these little things get to you. And it's good, like, to make a note of that and improve for next time. But I don't think any reader know it's like, what, this is the same mall zine or mall food on the front. Like, I hate it. Like, I don't think anyone would do that. And if it yeah. would kind of be insane if they did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So... Um, I had a question now I totally forgot but I have another one when like when I was asking about like movies and music and stuff when when you decided to make Hungry and have it like food leaning was there any other like kind of like any other topics that you guys were entertaining or did you know like when you first met that you wanted to make like a food adjacent publication or did you want to make a publication and then fill in the blank later? Mm. Uh, no, I think, I think we held like our identities, like both Catherine and I are like mixed race women. Um, and women and I think that was like also important and um there's like definitely um like both of us we like we laugh we have so many cookbooks and um so many like spots of inspiration and and but we notice like who are the folks who like have the book deals and who have the, the you know the shows and things like that and not that we're saying we're like aspiring to that but it's like who are the like heavy hitters in in the food industry and even in Edmonton right like when you think of like food spaces and like when you think of the restaurants in Edmonton like when I think of like you know the like best restaurants in Edmonton it's almost always uh men who are like behind it not always but a lot of the time and 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 so it, that was something that we like definitely held we're like our identities and who we were and then how that related to food because of our work. And, you know, I always like, I always held on to the fact that like, you know, in the kitchen, 
growing up and like at those big family events like it was always the women who are in the kitchen and and like the guys would be on the grill if we had a barbecue that was their thing but like it was always the ladies in the kitchen and that's when you read stories so many times it's often like and in hungry you see it like our first issue there were so many like submissions of like moms and grandmas and aunties and things like that but then when you like go out into the world of like professional cooking and 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 all of that it definitely becomes now like a male space and so I think we we held on to those things and like kept them in our sights of like it was important to think about like who we were as people and our own lived experience because like what else what else could we like we could talk about other things like we could talk about like being women but like that like there's so much more there like there's so many other ways like there's so much more beyond that and and again back to the like yeah food is so universal like I don't think there's like I maybe like food and death <laughs> those are like the things you're kind of like guaranteed you know of yeah like, like you're gonna eat and you're gonna die <laughs> those are things that like we can like typically typically and even if your food is like different or like you can't eat in the same way or like you know what I mean or you don't have access to food like even that in and of itself is a story and so like it's it's universal and our actually our next issue like our next issue coming out is hot and spicy but our next one after that is going to be called funeral foods and it's about food and death because and grief because uh that's something that's come up in my life that's something we've heard people interested in is like again I think just because of that like so many people have stories around death so many people have stories about food because what else is there (laughs) yeah no that that's an amazing concept for an issue that's uh yeah like I was saying I feel like the way you guys can just like execute these ideas is is really on another level it's like very impressive and you know what i actually i remembered the question i forgot you were saying earlier that you guys weren't like readers or publishers like by trade or whatever did you have any experience like putting a zine together before this like had you done like you were talking about like binding risograph are these all like new things you've learned like since the project started yes we had Catherine uh is an amazing poet and has been featured and, and published in a variety of uh things um and I think Catherine was in like proximity to some publishing but like mostly like community publishing or like it would be for something like you know like kind of how like Chinatown greetings is a thing like it would be like kind of that adjacent was where Catherine had experience um I myself uh no I didn't have any like writing or publishing or zine experience I used to work at APERG, Alberta Public Interest Research Group. And it's this like, like little weird radical nonprofit that's in the U of A and its roots are like very anarchist in like the like early 2000s, like and like late 90s. So there was like 1 million zines, but they were like, I mean, like true DIY zines of like, 
like weird not okay I shouldn't say weird fitness but like like things about like menstrual products or like DIY menstrual product zines like that's what these zines were and so I was I worked there for a number of years and I was like surrounded by those so I was definitely like exposed to zines but I think where I saw my opportunity and like connection to this because like I came into this work obviously thinking I could do it in some way but I think it's because uh, something I'm I'm good at and I enjoy doing is like bringing community together and like okay. I've like done a lot of events and and yeah just yeah bringing people together like literally this like is just continually like going back to the like around a kitchen table like I'm I'm good at that like I'm get good at getting people in rooms together and I think that was like that was what this is what hungry is and and Catherine and I when we I don't know how we came to this, but I remember one time talking or maybe somebody said it to us or something, but the idea that like when we think of hungry and and what we put in it, we we kind of think of it as like people sitting around a kitchen table talking. Like we want the pieces to be in conversation with one another in some shape or form. And they're like vastly different. Like, like I just feel like, like, yeah, mall food is like, like you're laughing, you're crying, like you, you know, you're like really going through it in, in all of these, in all of these issues. And so, but at the same time, you know, at the root of it, it's, it's folks, I don't know, like, as it's just so simple. It's not even, it's not even, it's not profound in any way. It's just folks like eating and telling these food stories that we all have. And I think that's why it works is because we all can relate, like they're, they're pieces of like, you know, that I've read that it's like, I've, I've had those moments, like I've had those, you know, those, those funny, hilarious moments, those romantic moments, those grief moments, and you're like in it and you're reading, you're like, whoa, I don't think that's like, (laughs) it's not like revolutionary to be like, wow, I really relate to something in this. But it is nice to have another platform in which people can do that. Right. No, no, that's great. Like, really, I I got the question. Like, I couldn't really ask the right question, but I wondered what, what, like, where did you learn about the power of zines? And being surrounded by all the zines at the university is, is probably the answer to that. Like, mm-hmm. if you, you hadn't made any personally before but you had at least seen them and knew like how useful they were to like share kind of obscure information which I mean that like I have a quite a huge zine collection and those are my favorite zines too like really kind of underground things that you're like oh I've never really seen someone like gather a bunch of info about this Mm -hmm. in one spot so yeah, that I mean, I couldn't even ask the question properly, but you answered the question <laughs> in my answer. That's great. <laughs> well, I think there's I yeah, I think an important part of like, yeah, sitting in this like at the university surrounded by zines was like um, and kind of coming to this place in my life that was where I was learning about, you know, like radical things is that so much of like the art and I think similarly to what we were talking about of like you know the art that is is a bit messy and like low budget was like 
art of the people, you know, and like zines was that, like, that's like, like not the root of it. Like there was like sci-fi and things like that for like zine culture originally, but like a big part of it was like, <clears throat> you know, like political organizing and like radical literature. And it's like, how are we going to get this out and like to the people it's like okay well we're gonna like draw it or we're gonna like write it you know with like a marker and then we're gonna just photocopy hundreds of like this thing and put it out in the world and and so I think like that's also a really important part of like doing a zine because sometimes I look at those beautiful like more polished publications and I go like oh like those are so beautiful and like they're just like gorgeous and I just want to like stare at the photos like forever but I do at the end of the day I think really hold on to the yeah just that kind of radical DIY uh aspect of zines and zine culture that I think we'll always be interested in like I can't imagine us kind of getting out of it because we're we're in it and and it's a good place to be and we're in good company. And so, yeah, I, I feel like it's probably going to stay that way for, for as long as we do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to at all sound like I'm saying you couldn't do it. I'm sure you could, if you wanted, but I, I think it it's great how it is as well. And it might lose a bit of the essence in a way. Like if you, you know, some people try to get like too big and too polished, like not even too soon. It's just they they try to get bigger than they need to be. I think it's like it's perfect how it is with like the slight improvements you've talked about. And, you know, maybe like thing obviously things will improve as you go, but I I don't think it needs to be like a, a bigger thing than it is like it it's great the stories you guys are telling everything is is perfect really like i i think it's great i think obviously everything can or anything can improve so i i do wish that any improvements you guys want to make get made over time but even like what it is right now is is an incredible thing that you guys have done i i can't really like give you guys your flowers enough <laughs> so how sweet. many was hungry the innate like how many titles did you guys <laughs> think of Me? is there any like was it almost something else that you <laughs> can share or is it all a secret no no secret there we <laughs> are really bad. We we're currently working on doing a food column for a publication called Horizons, like her H E R. Um, it's like a feminist publication, and we had to come up with a title. <laughs> we're so bad at it, and I mean, I don't think I'm coming up with anything, and Catherine's coming up with <laughs> absolutely kooky. <laughs> <laughs> titles and so I don't know what we had I don't really think we thought about it much and I remember just being like what about hungry like just as simple as could be there wasn't I think we went back and forth like a little bit just like throwing out names but nothing like nothing's you know like stuck to the wall um 
so no, there was nothing like, um, no other potential name. And we didn't, yeah, we didn't really think about it too much. It was just, it kind of, it worked. It was easy. There didn't seem to be any other big publications or things called Hungry. Yeah. So that was the name. It's a, a great name as well. It's like relatable on, on more than just like that. You know, the surface thought of Hungry, your stomach's rumbling, you want food. Like you can be hungry for, uh, I guess, you know, that could be pejorative. You could be hungry for like fame or attention, not saying you guys are, but that word like applies to more than just the need for sustenance in your stomach. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that was definitely a part of it. Like it was obviously hungry for food, but also, yeah, I think the question of like hungry for what is interesting. I also think like who gets to be hungry is an interesting thing in, in the ways that like hunger can be, I don't know, yeah, approached differently depending on who's hungry or why they're hungry and things like that. So right. yeah, yeah, lots of levels potentially to it <laughs> no the i hadn't even thought of that a bridge that's an even even better way to relate to it um i know uh you have another meeting so i should let you go soon but if you don't mind before we hop off can i uh, i love asking food people this question and i don't get to do it enough what mm -hmm. are some of your favorite food spots in the city i feel this is like kind of food influencing in a good way like it's <laughs> it's someone who's working in the food space just yeah. saying what food they like it way better than like an instagram food yeah. photo or something um what do i like i feel like i'm also so bad with names um there's a caribbean spot on in Oliver that's very good oh and, I can't think of the name either I know exactly Caribbean Cafe name. maybe it's some I think there's Caribbean in the word in the name and it's in Oliver I like to shout out yeah uh I'll I'll find out and I'll link it yeah properly. I think that one um I've been going to Rosewood a bunch yeah it's a classic they also are like near my work um it's so busy these days <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it, it's insane um, yeah it's it's great uh i'm always at iconoclast for coffee uh i just like the vibe and mm. yeah i like to work out of there so those are some of my spots before we officially go do you want to maybe let everyone know where they can like find you or hungry or both like any anything you want to promote please do yeah um yeah just hungry i'd say hungry zine you can find us uh on instagram and twitter and on our website at hungryzine.com if you want to purchase you can find our zine on our website or you can find it at a bunch of great local places here in Edmonton, Hideout, Distro, Glass Bookshop, Audrey's, Ticks on the Square, Paper Birch Books. Yeah, I think those are all our spots. Those are, those are, are kind of all the, all the spots. 
<laughs> I, I can't think of any other like venues that would, I mean, there probably are, and I'm going to get called out on it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, those, those are all the, all the good spots. Like they're all, they're all great. That's good. Did, did you have, um, that many sagas like lined up from the beginning or has it taken you guys a bit to like put all the pieces together no stockists it's hard like i get it also from their end like they've got a lot of folks who want their stuff in places glass was one of our first like supporters there who we reached out to when we had questions uh and they i'm obsessed like i can't like I love them so much. I want them to get all their flowers. Uh, and then Tori at Hideout was also a big supporter. So those were our two Edmonton go-tos. And then, yeah, we kind of just cold called a few other places. But yeah, stockists are, it's it's tough. We're always trying to find places uh, and be out there uh, and connect. And, but yeah, yeah, definitely we've got those folks like the, again, kind of just like our zine, like the people who get it, get it. Um, and we love that folks carry us and we're forever grateful for, for all the stockists who let us use up a little bit of shelf space and yeah. Uh, one more question. Have you, you don't need to like disclose the actual numbers, but have you increased production amounts since, <laughs> since issue one? Like, did you start uh, out doing a really small number and then now? I know that the mall food one was free and, like, I got it at the the closing nice. stuff for the, the Mitchell Gallery. But, yeah, have you, uh, like, grown since the initial issue? So, funny you ask. No, but maybe, like, we... We printed, I think, like 250 for our first issue and it went actually like pretty quick. So we did like a second printing and then we were doing 500, but then that became like we had too many, but now we've only done, then we like went to 300 and that's not enough. <laughs> so we're, we're figuring it out. So yeah, it's not very many. Like, it's not a huge print run. It was so funny. Um, We were talking to somebody recently who, like, is in publishing, but they publish, like, a free divorce magazine <laughs> here in town. And they were just saying, like, oh, like, we, you know, like, there's just, like, thousands of them out there. Was it a divorce magazine? I don't know. It was something. And <laughs> anyways... Is it then, call, called divorce or it's about yeah. divorces? You can see that like the Italian center, it's like in those like free things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The concept of like how much you produce and it's just so different. Like it's so different for somebody who's like, you know, those like mass publications who kind of just like go out and they're like out there versus like, like us who like every copy kind of counts and it's like, expensive to do so you don't want to do too many but we'd like love to have like if we could print and sell like a thousand copies we'd be so stoked but it's so expensive to print a thousand copies to start off with so then we're always kind of trying to find that balance I mean but the nice thing about Rizzo and how we have our our setup set up is we can always 
print more if we need to like that's right. that's not we're not printing like the old stuff like we we've we've run out of zero zero and oh one uh and we won't print we don't have any plans to but like say for like land and water uh is going really well like we might print more or mall food yeah has been really popular but I feel like Mitchell Art Gallery might have some kicking around so maybe we can <laughs> scoop some of theirs but yeah we're still navigating how much to print oh that that's great and thanks for sharing the numbers I just wanted I don't know I want us to leave this off on like a positive note just knowing you guys were like growing exponentially but I think we are I I, I would say um because it's not all like in copies you know what I mean like I think our reach is bigger we've gotten more stockists interested in us um and so I I definitely think we are growing uh I think it's just like sales is like, that sounds weird to say, but like sales isn't necessarily dictating how we think of growth. Like, Oh yeah. I, I absolutely, I probably understand that more than a lot of people. I think nowhere fast does really good. We just don't sell anything. Right. Yeah, so, like, exactly. the, so yeah, I, I gauge you know the success of like we our listens keep going up and up but we don't really see any profit from that but it's still like great to think of growth in that way and mm -hmm. i i didn't at all mean you guys weren't growing i just mean i wanted <laughs> to like get definitive hear, yeah. like answer so i could know you had grown but i mean i also didn't like 500 that's a lot like I, I didn't expect. I didn't think you were gonna say like fifteen or something, but I didn't expect <laughs> five hundred. So that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of incredible to think of like, yeah, they're out there and like they're on people's bookshelves and coffee tables, and I absolutely adore that thought. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's very cool. I, uh, I'm a huge fan. I can't can't really profess how impressed I am by all of it even after like I was a fan before but now I'm like a super fan hearing this <laughs> I'm gonna maybe try to reach out to Catherine and see if I can interview her maybe about her poetry or something I just I re I'm really inspired to like talk to her as well and I feel maybe it would be a little weird to be like oh can you come on and talk about the same thing that we just talked yeah. about, but maybe if I can find like another pretense to get her on here, I'll be able to yeah. talk with her that way. But she's an amazing poet. Like you should definitely, and I feel like she does a lot of cool stuff of like translating and being mixed race and Chinese and community work. Like she's fantastic. There, there's so much you could talk to her about. Um. <laughs> well. I know you have another meeting, so hopefully that goes well. Thank you uh, so much for answering some of my random questions, and it was it was great being able to talk to you for a bit. Hopefully, we can talk more in the future. Yeah, yeah and, uh, thank you so much. This yeah, was best of luck with. Uh, I don't think you guys need it at all, but but best of <laughs> we'll luck. We'll take it. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, yeah. I will talk to you soon. All right. See ya.